Dr. Jeff McCausland is the CBS News military consultant, founder and CEO of Diamond Six Leadership and Strategy LLC, retired colonel from the United States Army, among other distinctions. Jeff, it's always a pleasure. How are you, sir? Doing very well, guys. Great to be with you. I've got a couple of specific questions I know I want to get to, but first, just what was your reaction when Putin gave his big speech talking about the calling up to 300,000 and threatening nuclear war? Well, you know, Yogi Berra, who, a very famous Yankee and philosopher, once said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. And I think that's what Mr. Putin did. He had two options as things have gotten very, very dismal for him for the last several weeks. One was to escalate. And the second one was to suddenly have the propaganda machine start churning out how successful we've been. We've, we spanked the Ukrainians. We killed off all the Nazis and call for a ceasefire to kind of freeze this in place and try to get the Europeans to bring Zelensky to the negotiating table. Obviously, he picked, he picked the fork for the escalation, and he's escalated in three ways. One, you've mentioned that, of course, is he calling up a 300,000 reservist. The second was this rattling of the nuclear saber, though I want to point out this also is part of the narrative because it's described in terms of Russia is threatened, the motherland is threatened. It's not about taking over territory or spanking Nazis. He's pinning this as, you know, Russia is now threatened and will use these weapons to defend our integrity. And then the third escalation, of course, was this now sham uh, referendums that are going to occur over the next several days in the areas occupied by Russia, actually making that Russian territory. Well, then the the extension of that thought being, well, if uh, the Ukrainians attack, quote-unquote, Russian territory, he's justified in using at least technical nukes, a uh, uh, possibility too horrifying to contemplate, although I suppose we have to. Exactly right, and that puts that degree of at least ambiguity that he could escalate to that point now to defend those particular territories, because they're now Russian. This has always been a point of concern since this war began, because the Ukrainians have talked a lot about liberating all their territory, and they would tell you that includes Crimea, which the Russians took in 2014, and the Duma voted to make that, incorporate that into the Russian Federation. So from the Russians' feder- perspective, Crimea has been Russian territory since 2014. So that question of using nuclear weapons to defend territorial integrity has been out there. Now he expands that. But I come back to the point, this also serves to try to motivate the population back in, the, in, back in Russia by saying this is all about defense of the homeland, because he's tried to, I think, insulate the population from the ill effects of this war. And probably since it's being a partial mobilization, I still think has a concern that doing so will elicit some kind of social disruption in Russia uh, amongst the population response. And we've seen some evidence of that in the last 48 hours. Well, backing up a couple of weeks, which is what led us to Putin's speech the other day, when Ukraine had their stunning blitzkrieg driving the Russians out of a whole bunch of areas that nobody seemed to predict, uh, which led it to this. And I don't know what your opinion is of uh, General David Petraeus, former CIA director and commander, but he said the other day on CNN that he be- he he stated that the outcome of the war is no longer in doubt. Ukraine is going to win. It could be a slow slog, but they are going to. This is a major tide turning you know, event. Do you do you agree with that? Do you th- do you think the tide has turned that much? Well, I know Dave fairly well, and I've got great respect for Dave. I think this could be looked at as an inflection point. That's normally found in retrospect as opposed to in the immediate moment. Uh, I think at this moment we can say one thing for sure. Russia has lost this war. There's mm. no two ways about it. Uh, their objective was to take over Ukraine. 
uh, put down the Gersorinsky government, they, they failed in doing that. Then their objective was to seize at least the coastland all the way over to Odessa. They failed to do that. And now they're sort of concentrating on trying to secure these provinces, Luhansk and Donetsk. They've now failed to do that. And this counteroffensive makes it virtually impossible in the foreseeable future they're going to do that. So now this whole war is back to defending the homeland. My goodness, you were invaded, now it's all about you're the victim, which is kind of an odd way to turn things around. So, And the effect on the Russians in terms of the loss of life, 100,000 casualties, massive amounts of military hardware, the reputation of the Russian military is in total disrepute. It, it will take years and years just to rebuild the military of Russia if they stop today, and that doesn't even account for the effects this is going to have on the Russian economy longer term. And some economists have told me it might be 50 years before they recover from this. Half a million Russians have fled, most of them young people who are very bright, a so-called brain drain has occurred. So Russia has lost. Whether or not Ukraine has won, you've got to define what, what win, win looks like. If Dr. win is Jeff. taking back all those territories, that could be hard. If it's going back to the status quo ante, that's certainly possible. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant on the line. Uh, Jeff, uh, given the state of the disrepair of the Russian military, as you mentioned, what's it going to look like trying to incorporate some portion of that 300,000 uh, young men called up? I mean, th- th- these are guys who are having to be dragged into the battle. In most cases, I think that's going to be true, and it's going to take a long period of time. This is not going to have any really significant military impact in the immediate future. It's going to take a significant period of time to identify these people, bring them up in a fashion that your training base can at least give them some modest amount of retraining. They all have some military experience, and then either form new units or use those of individual replacements to fill out units that, that have suffered some degree of casualties. They'll probably initially start with officers to fill out officers and units that have been lost, People with special skills, think of doctors or medical people. They might start bringing some of them in fairly quickly. In terms of overall military significance, it's going to take a longer period of time. I don't think we'll see the effects of that really occurring until next spring. Secondarily, of course, it has some other effects which are interesting, and and that is part and parcel its announcement also was what we would call in the U.S. military stop loss. So if you're a Russian soldier right now serving in Ukraine, and your enlistment's supposed to run out sometime between now and the end of winter, guess what? You've just been extended until the war is over. Congratulations. Uh, that, that's not going to be a real re- morale booster, oh, by the way. Uh, and we've seen evidence already in some of, the, uh, some of the demonstrations that are occurring that some of the demonstrators, when they're arrested, are immediately drafted. They get their hand their draft notice just because you're, you're out there demonstrating. Again, not going to be a real morale case if you are actually put into uniform. And we've seen throughout this particular offensive over the last few weeks that morale and cohesion in the Russian forces is rather disastrous, with Russian units refusing to fight in some cases. We've seen Russian soldiers taking off their uniforms, putting on civilian clothes and running away, writing letters to their parents telling them that it's a humanitarian crisis, they have no food or water. And those are the issues that Russia is going to have to deal with as it tries to bring this 300,000-man force into the military to have some significant effect. Yeah, I just had a thought. I'm going to call an audible. Joe, do you have any more questions about Russia? I'm good. What did you think when the President of the United States said the other day that, uh, you know, we're willing to risk risk blood and treasure to defend Taiwan from China? 
Yeah, this has been an interesting one. Mr. Biden, I think, has said this basically about four times now that the United States would defend Taiwan. Uh, and repeatedly, his staff kind of walks it back because the United States has, for the last 34 years, had this two-China policy, recognizing, you know, that China is, is the government, uh, but at the same time having strategic ambiguity about how we'll react. And I have to think that Mr. Biden is not doing this and making mistakes four times over. He's just trying to, over time, I think, enhance that degree of ambiguity to the Chinese about how the United States would respond. And that ambiguity, I think, would be argued in the Pentagon, enhances the deterrent effect. And secondarily, I think if the Chinese look at what's occurred to the Russians uh, in the Ukraine, uh, they might be a bit more somber about the possibility of invading Taiwan. The response from the West, that a smaller country can respond pretty vigorously on the defense. Oh, by the way, it's an amphibious assault, the most difficult military operation going. So I think Mr. Xi might take this a bit more somber when he thinks about the possibility of a military invasion of Taiwan. Man, the twists and turns of history, I know you're a history buff, just Putin's single-man decision to invade Ukraine goes horribly wrong, might end up stopping China from invading Taiwan, which would have started World War III. So World War III is averted because Putin's a nut job. I mean, just, you know. History's weird that way. <laughs> well, I hope you're correct in all those particular things you just said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant. Always enlightening, Jeff. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, guys. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.